Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. I want to preach from the subject, from the cradle to the cross. I know immediately some of y'all who are Tupac fans. Immediately your mind went there. I know it. I saw it. I saw it. I know y'all said from the cradle to the grave. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. I ain't lying. I saw, I saw your faces. I saw somebody was already listening to the music in your mind. Uh-huh. But see, from the cradle to the grave is an idiom, and it means from the time you are born to the time you die. But see, from the cradle to the cross is much different. See, from the cradle to the cross means you might die, but you're going to live again. Amen. And so I love this part of this message because the faces that we see around the cradle are also a reflection of what we see around the cross. Did you see the, the similar, the similar uh, faces there? You had people when Jesus was born wanted to kill him, and you had other people who wanted to worship him at the cross. You had people who saw this man is the Son of God, but then you saw others who were cynical and others who crucified him for doing nothing. And so those faces are indicative of the faces that we see in our world today. Talk to me, somebody. The cradle and the cross represents two points of Jesus' greatest weakness when he was a baby and when he was dying. Now, he shook the world, guys. Nowhere in his ministry did he more shake the world than in the moments when he was born and the moments when he died. Kings were shaken. The holy city was shaken. The heavens were shaken. The shepherds were shaken. The Magi were shaken. The mountains were shaken. The side-poking centurion was shaken. The temple was shaken because the Bible says that the curtain was rent or split from top to bottom. All of that was shaken. The rocks cried out and the sun refused to shine. These are pivotal moments that happened at the moments of his birth and at the moments of his death. From the cradle to the cross. Now, I want to compare some things here for a moment. I want to make three comparisons, and here's the first. How may we compare what's going on between the two? So the first one is the divine reaction to cross, to, the, to Christ, I'm sorry, the divine reaction to Christ. See, the human reaction to Christ was very evident around the cradle. I mean, it's very explicit that, that Herod, he was out to kill Jesus. If he wasn't, he would not have sent out an edit to kill all of the babies. See, see, this is interesting to me because here we have this man, this king that owns territory, but this king is intimidated by a baby. Mm-hmm. So this is pivotal to me because there are those who are intimidated by babies. See, you might be a baby in Christ, but there are those who don't know Jesus intimidated by you. See, most of the time, the people that don't know Jesus, the reason they don't like you is because they, they, don't, they don't understand. And actually, they're intimidated. Mm-hmm. See, the people who always talk about you, they're afraid of you. That's right. 
That's why I don't mind when people talk bad about me and my wife. They're afraid of us. See, you don't have to retaliate when you know who you are. See, I know who I am and I know what I have to do. So I don't have time trying to retaliate against somebody that has something negative to say about me that don't even mean anything in the first place. Because, see, the words of other people don't define you unless you take them into your heart. And some of you are giving too many people control of your lives. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, you need to take the control back. Somebody say, take the control back. Somebody say, I am taking the control back. Take it back. If people are ticking you off, then stop letting them tick you off. That's too much control for one person to have over your life. What is it? What's going on with that relationship that that person is always ticking you off? You might need to find the root cause of it because a lot of times the thing that disgusts you the most in other people is the thing God is trying to reveal in you. That's why you got to pull that little thing out of your eye before you can point at somebody. Uh huh. Oh, I'm not talking about anybody in here, am I? Put my glasses on. Let me make a look at them. I ain't talking about nobody in here, right? Glory to God. Let me see. It might be somebody here I'm talking about today, but if I am, just put your feet up under the chairs. It's going to be all right. We're going to breathe in. We're going to breathe out. So Herod was intimidated. Go back to verse 3 in chapter 2, and it proves that something happened to Herod, man. This is amazing here in verse 3. Say, when Herod, the king, heard this, the man was troubled. This is the king of Judea was troubled by a baby being born in a manger. What is that all about? So what a paradox that a raging tyrant like Herod would be troubled by the birth of a baby. A stir begins as, as Christ was born. He hasn't spoken one word. He hasn't performed one miracle, and he hasn't proclaimed one doctrine. But yet this tyrant of a king was troubled. Somebody say great big God. Even though this great big God was in a little bitty package, he was intimidating. Isn't that interesting? I just found that to be very interesting because God can sometimes use the weak things. Oh, okay, can I give you some scripture? Go to 1 Corinthians. Well, you can put it in your notes. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. I want to show you this paradox. What a paradox that a man nailed to a tree and bleeding away his life should testify or terrify a city, religious leaders, Pontius Pilate, Herod, and Roman soldiers. Look at verse 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. It says, this foolish plan of God is far wiser than the wisest of human plans. Who would have thought that a baby would intimidate a king? See, your human reasoning can't even wrap your minds around why would a king be fearful of a baby. That's human reasoning. So apparently, it's going to take more than human reasoning to understand this king. It's going to take more than just your intellect to understand what faith means. That's why it's so hard for people who are in academia to understand faith. Because scientists, if they can't see it, taste it, touch it, or smell it, they don't believe it because their mind is telling them that they have to see something to believe it. But faith is one of those things that you see on the inside. Faith is not something that you necessarily see on the outside, but you see it on the inside. And the more you see it on the inside and you pray about it, then it will manifest on the outside. For the Bible says, 
now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen. Not seen in the physical, but it is seen in the spiritual. Right? It hasn't manifested yet in the natural, but it's already manifested in your spirit. Why? You see it with your spiritual eyes. That's why you have to say what you see with your spirit until you see what you say in the natural. Is this making sense at all? See, that's what faith is. Christians, we do not have blind faith. My faith is not blind. I know in whom I believe. He's real. And if you go to the tomb today, he's not there. Amen. Amen. I got proof positive that he's not there. They never found his bones because they still have his bones. Amen. And his bones are in heaven. Amen. He's going to be the only man in heaven with bones. Amen. Well, you prove that out by scripture when he came back to the disciples. He said, handle me and see what I'm, I'm what? Flesh and bones. Why he didn't say blood? He gave it all up for us. Amen? Why? Without the shedding of what? The blood he shed for us. There will be no remission of sin. So he shed all of his blood for who? The whole world. Not just Christians. For the whole world. Right? So there's a whole world out there that need Jesus. It might be somebody in here that need him. And without that blood, you're still in your sins. And if you die today, I can tell you where you're going. I don't care if you don't believe in a literal hell or heaven. Just die. You're going to one of them. But listen, I'll tell you this. I don't, I don't want to take a chance with my eternal soul and be wrong. There is a literal heaven and there is a literal hell. As a matter of fact, the scientists say that there is a core in the middle of the earth that is hot. I don't know. I'm from Alabama. It's hot. In Alabama. It's hot. I don't, it's, it's so hot. Dogs don't even chase cats. <laughs> they all walk. It's too hot to be running. It's hot in Alabama. It's hot in Florida. Now listen, I know if I don't like that heat, I, I ain't going to like hell. It ain't going to be no party in hell. I hear these young people talking about, oh, well, I'm going to be down there with my friends. Your friends will be there. And you might know, you might have an intellect that they're there. You will hear them, but you can't get to them because there's going to be so many demons on you, you can't get to them. Hell is a very literal place, and it's my job as a pastor to teach you the truth. I'm not here to be anybody's friend, but I am here to teach you the truth. And if I can keep you out of hell telling you the truth and ticking you off, then that's what I'm going to do. Why? Because I don't want to go by myself having all that fun. I want you to go with me, praise the Lord. Somebody say, I want to go. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25 says, This foolish plan of God is far wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness, look at this, saints of God, this is powerful. God's weakness is far stronger than the greatest human strength. He showed us this as an example of a baby intimidating Herod. His weakness intimidates humans' greatness. And you still want to follow your own human plans. Okay. And I got a question for you. How's that working out? Because, I mean, when, you, when you're sinning, it's good for a while. Trust me, I know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. B.C., before Christ? Yeah. Right, baby? <laughs> See, I went there for a second, my bad. 
See, because see, when she met me, I wasn't saved. I wasn't trying to be saved. Didn't want to be saved. Amen. Didn't like church. Amen. Didn't like the church people. Because I used to club with them. I've been club with the deacon. He's, drunk, he's drunker than I am. We both staggering. The difference is, I sleep in, he go to church. Drunk. That's why they sang that song like that. I love the Lord, he heard my cry. That's why he was drunk. That's why he sang like that. See, the white people here don't know what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> Spanish folks don't know either. Y'all don't know. See, in the black church, how many black folks know what I'm talking about right now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Y'all know that deacon up there that get on that morning's bench? I love the Lord, man. You be down there for hours. And do you realize before I got saved? Let me tell y'all a secret. Come here. Let me tell y'all a secret. Before I got saved, I had no idea that was a real song. Because I didn't know what he was saying. Now, hold, hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. Now, I know I cannot be by myself. How many of you didn't understand what that deacon was saying? I didn't. I, that's a real song. I didn't know that till years later after I got saved. Right? And so I, 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 when she met me, I was a straight up heathen. Amen. <laughs> I'm quitting this church. Y'all judging me. <laughs> well, ain't nothing like your mama to put you in your place, boy. I mean, what do you say? <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was. And so, so I, I, I was where some of you might be. Because I didn't realize how much I needed God until I hit a wall. And when I hit that wall, none of my human reasoning or my education or my street savviness could get me out of it. The boys in the hood couldn't help me. There was only one person who could help me. I needed to get the word. And I've shared this story before of what I want to share because I never shared it with Mama in, 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 my, in our presence. And I remember one day um, I was at home and Elaine came home. I was, I was drinking I was, I was drinking, and um, purple bag, and so, see, why y'all laughing about the purple bag? Some of y'all know about that purple bag, don't you? <laughs> Some, see, how many of y'all got a purple bag at home right now? How many don't know about the purple bag by show of hands? Don't know about the purple bag. Okay, the purple bag is Crown Royal. It's whiskey, and it comes in a little purple bag. And that's when you know people have been drinking because they got the purple bag full of money in the house. Because I used to have a lot of purple bags in the house full of change. Yeah. Just, just go with it. It's all right. Just go with it. And so I was sitting there drinking. And I never forget, Elaine came home and I was watching um, T.D. Jakes. I was watching Jakes. And uh, she came home. She was shocked. She said, you watching a preacher? I said, yeah, I like this fat guy right here. No, don't, please, I'm not trying to insult him. That's, I'm just telling you what I said. I said, I like this fat guy right here because why? I can understand what he was saying, Amen. right? He wasn't all over my head, you know, and I, and I really caught it. And I guess you must have told Mama, and Mama bought me this cassette series, and I'm telling my age. Some of y'all here don't even know what a cassette is. <laughs> Look at that. She's, she's a young lady. That she's like, what is a cassette, Pastor? 
<laughs> what, is, is, what do you do with it? <laughs> so in the Stone Age, the <laughs> a cassette is what we used to listen to before they came out with CDs. We don't even do CDs anymore. Now it's all uploaded, you know, MP3s and, and, and no, no, no 8-tracks. She really don't know what an 8-track is. And so Mama bought me this, this series from T.D. Jakes, cassette series called PMS for Men. And the PMS stood for Power, Money, and Sex. And I would listen to that tape series, and I listened to it until it broke. And the strangest things began to happen to me. The more and more I listened to that word, my nature started changing. And see, when your nature changes, you can go places that you used to go, and you're there, but you're not. See, that's how it was. I would go to the clubs, and I would be like, man, I don't even want to be here. It's just it's not even comfortable anymore, right? Why? See, see, the difference, there's a difference between a pig and a lamb. See, when you got a pig nature, you like to wallow all in the slop and the mud. It feels good to you. You can go and clean up that sow, put a ring in her nose, and let her loose. She's going to go right back. Why is it that when people get out of situations, they go right back into the mud? Because you got a pig nature. See, a lamb, if you stick a lamb in mud, they cry out, wow. Why? They're in it, but they don't want to be. See, when your nature changes, you're in there, but you don't want to be there. And see, and you don't want to make your friends mad because they're going to be pointing at you time calling you a church person. Right? So now you got a dilemma. Am I going to tick them off? Or am I going to follow God? I'm going to follow God and tick them off. Because when I followed God, I did tick them off. Right? Because I didn't want to go anymore. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do those things anymore. Not that I was trying to be such a church boy. It's just that I knew my nature was changing. And I knew that something needed to change in me because the direction I was going in was not the right direction. I didn't have to read the Bible to understand I was going in the wrong direction. Listen, you might be sitting here and say, I don't know anything about the Bible, but you know when you do wrong. Every person in this room knows when you've done something wrong. You don't need to know scripture. You don't have to be poetically eloquent. But you know when you make a bad choice, you know, man, I shouldn't have done that. You know that. You don't need Jesus to know when you're done wrong. It's in your nature to tell you that you've done wrong. That's why when people in the world, they say, well, I I like doing this. No, you don't. You know something is wrong with what you're doing. Right? It's it's, it's for a moment. It's nice. But after that, it's guilt. It's shame. It's condemnation coming behind that. Why? Because it's not of God. If it was of God, it wouldn't bring any condemnation. But the Bible says, for there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who follow not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But there are some things when you are in the world that you can't understand about the Bible because the natural man can't discern the things of the Spirit of God, nor can he know them because they must be what? Some things you're not going to get unless you already have God. But you got to get to God first. Hello, somebody. Listen, you don't have to get your stuff right to get saved. I am so sick of this. Oh, pastor, well, you know, when I get my life right, I'm going to get saved. But, brother, I, I won't ever see you. Because mm-hmm, right. you can't get your life right. That's right. 
If I could get my life right, I would have gotten it right. Why? You can't get your life right on, by self-will. Positive meditation. Oprah going to have you going to hell. Stop all that nonsense. Ain't no, ain't no, oh, I'm getting in touch with myself. Yeah, that's the flesh. The flesh is always going to do what the flesh wants to do. And it's always going to lead you in the wrong direction. Am I talking to somebody in here this morning? See, I, I like a group of people who like to hear the truth about the word of God. I'm trying to save your soul. Sometimes to save you, I got to tell you the truth. Because truth is the only thing that sets us free in John chapter 8, verse 32. Amen. Let's read a little bit more in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27. It says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. See, this is why you must understand the Bible. You know what this is saying? That no amount of human knowledge can bypass the knowledge of knowing Christ. Therefore, it gives us a chance to get saved. Otherwise, if it was reversed, only... The intellectually uh, experienced people will know Christ. Only the smart people could know him if it took knowledge to know him. But it doesn't. It takes faith. But once your faith moves you into him, then he gives you his knowledge. Is this making sense? Now, the knowledge that he gives you, he helps you to tap into who you really are. Because he created you, he knows who you should be. Some of us are going around down the wrong path, but we won't know it until we tap into God. Yeah. See, if you're doing something, you don't have a passion for what you're doing. You may be doing the wrong thing. Amen. What are you passionate about? Tap into what's in you, but you can't do it in your flesh. I'm telling you right now. If you do it in your flesh, it's going to lead you down the wrong path. You can only tap into this in God because he's the one who created you from the beginning of the world. Is this making sense? So those are some divine reactions. So let me give you number two. Let's talk about some divine disruptions of Christ. So the first one was divine reactions to Christ. Let's talk about some divine disruptions of Christ. See, the reaction to Christ at his cradle and on the cross was not limited to the human sphere. Both events were marked by profound cosmic disruptions. Cosmic disruptions. That means the cosmos understood what was taking place when man didn't. See, when a mountain knows Christ better than man, that, that, when rocks cry out, and the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, and the seas claps his hands at the presence of the Lord, even when nature knows God and we don't. <laughs> That's, that's why, because man thinks he's so smart. See, man rejects God because God is contrary to their life. That's why I don't teach culture stuff because the gospel is counter to culture. And I can't go along with what culture is doing because then that would be mixture. See, mixture came in in the garden. It was the tree of good, and that's mixture. And you can't take the evil without taking the good, and you can't take the good without the evil, though it might have felt good. There's some evil coming behind it. See, the woman laid down with that guy. It felt good for a moment, but when she got up with AIDS, 
Felt good for a moment, but then when she found herself pregnant and this brother scowled out, it's fleeting. Feel good for a moment, but you're going to have to deal with the consequences of every choice. You got to deal with the consequences. We raise our daughter, let her know that every choice has consequences, thanks to God. Let's talk about Mary's womb a little bit here. At Jesus' conception, there occurred a mysterious thing that happened with Mary. And we all know uh, this was truly a physical miracle, right? We talked about this, I think, last Sunday. Wait a minute, okay, so let me break this thing down to North Carolina English, then maybe we can understand something. This woman had not ever been with a man. It's what we don't even know in the world today call a virgin. Somebody say virgin. We don't, we don't know that word anymore. That word is not even, no, you got to live together. You got to do all this other stuff first. All right. All right I saw all those faces. And y'all just got to understand. Y'all don't intimidate me one bit. So I'm going to still tell you the truth. Right? The Bible declares that we should not be with anybody before we get married. Now, I failed miserably at that. And I still suffer because of it. Because no matter how many people you lay down with, you get up with a piece of that person. And the piece of that person will always be around. You can be saved 25 years worshiping. Hallelujah. Or you get an image of that person. And you feel dirty. You Because you're thinking everybody else saw it too. <laughs> you're looking at the next person. Did you see, did you see that? See what? Oh, nothing. nothing. And the enemy knows it. So if I can preach to you to help you make better choices going in the future, you'll have less demons to deal with. See, pornography is one of those things. I like talking about this kind of stuff because this is stuff we deal with. And too many churches are just, <gasps> we can't talk. Well, I am, because that's why the church is suffering. You got too many deacons watching pornography and then come and want to lay hands on the sister's backside. Oh, sister, let me help you up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, I know it's tight, but it's right. I know, I know it. I know it's all right. I'm going to keep on preaching if you don't like it. I don't care if you don't like it. I'm going to keep on with it, because this is what we're dealing with, guys. I'm telling you, when, when, when you have all of these secret sins that you're struggling with, and you don't want nobody to know, they're going to come out. Everything that's done in the dark is going to come in the light eventually. You can't, you can't be powerful publicly if you're not grounded privately. If, if your private life all, is going to become a facade for so long, you've been living it for so long, it's going to come out into the public eventually. Right? That's why the Bible declares that we should be privately devout and secretly holy. Who you are is who you are when nobody else is looking. What do you think about yourself when nobody else is around? What do you speak to yourself? Are you speaking negative stuff to yourself? If you are, then the devil don't need to attack you. You're already attacking yourself. There's certain things that is forbidden. There's no mixture. The Bible's clear about that. So there were some disruptions. And I'm going to talk about a couple of these disruptions. Then I'm going to turn this thing on you. 
See, when we start talking about Mary's womb, we see there is no life in a woman's womb. Do we know that? Okay, let me, let me, a lot of y'all just looking like, what are you talking about? There is nothing but darkness in the womb. Until a man plants seed. The seed is light and life. At the moment, life and light penetrates the darkness. Life comes about. I got some Bible on it. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the Bible said it was darkness across the face of the deep. Then God said, let there be light. And the moment the seed of God's word, his light hit that darkness, darkness had to dissipate. There was a disruption in this woman's body when the Holy Spirit came upon her and she was carrying something holy. What kind of disruption need to happen in your life before you make a decision to carry something holy? How about a death in the family? That's when everybody want to get saved for a little bit. But you have one of them jailhouse conversions. You get saved while you're in jail. As soon as you get out, you go right back. That's why recidivism is so high. You go do the same thing, get right back. What has to happen in your life before there's the divine disruption in your life before you make a decision to really follow God? I promise you this, it will happen. Because it happens to us who do follow God. So none of us are exempt. But I thank God I got Jesus to help me through mine. But I feel sorry for you if you don't. But you can turn to him this morning and you can be full of God before you leave out of this building. And I would declare that in 2016, it would be a better year for you because you're going in that year with the greatest gift that you can ever get, and that's the gift of salvation. It's a free gift. Jesus paid the price for you. Can somebody say amen? Amen. See, in the Bible, the Bible said that the Spirit of God moved. It's the Hebrew word, rakhoff. Somebody say rakhoff. Come on, come on, come on. Say it like you're Arabian. Rakhoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, (coughs) I almost choked myself. And so... So that Hebrew word is the word rakoff. It means it's a moving or a hovering. It's a shaking. It's a rakoff. See, the Spirit of God rakoff on the top of Mount Sinai when um, the, Moses gave birth to the law. It was a rakoff. There was a move of the Spirit. The Spirit of God rakoff on top of Mount Carmel when Elijah was attacking the, the false prophets. That was the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God, the Bible says, it licked up the water and took the sacrifice. There was a divine disruption because there was a move of the Spirit. And then the man looked at the people and said, who are you going to follow? If God be God, then follow him. If Baal be God, then follow Baal. Now listen to this. The Bible said that the people of God answered not a word. They failed to make a decision. But the failure to make a decision is still Wait a minute, the people didn't even follow God. They just saw the Spirit move. How can a person be in a church and they see the Spirit move on people? They can see the manifestation of God. They can see different things take place and they don't get it for themselves. Why? Because you're trying to reason in your mind. You're trying to figure it all out. I ain't going to be doing all of that. 
So my question for a person with that kind of attitude, what, what makes you think you know what it takes for somebody else? Are you that arrogant to think that somebody else don't need that? Oh, you all knowledge. Now, you God then. I don't know what you need. God knows. But whatever it is that you need, if you're in worship and you're crying out or whatever, get it. Because, see, when I'm in worship, I don't care about Henry, one of y'all. Henry. Why? Because what I got to get, I got to get it. Amen. And when you die, I want to say, send me flowers now. Amen. I won't know. When I'm dead, I ain't coming back to see, oh, that's so precious. Look at all those flowers. So if you want to send flowers, send them now. Amen. Amen. I mean, really, send them now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all with me here? <laughs> okay, so there was a move of the Spirit, and there was a response that took place, not only at the crater, but at the cross. Remember I read about the centurion? The Bible said that the satyrian spoke up and said, this truly was the Son of God. He saw something on that cross. He saw something that other people did not see. He got convicted. Conviction leads you to God. Guilt leads you to the devil. So a lot of people don't understand the two. And that's why when people say, I ain't going to that church, they always judging me. No, that ain't, we ain't judging you. You're just guilty. And if it was conviction, they would have turned their lives then. Because conviction leads you to the altar. Guilt makes you get mad. Why? Because you don't want to see what you're really doing, and you don't want nobody else talking about it. <laughs> okay, let me go to the next point. Y'all, I got an mm and an um. <laughs> let me go to the last point. So that one right there was the divine disruptions, but let me give you the last one, the divine interventions for Christ. So those are the three things that I saw taking place from the cradle to the cross, because it is something here that we need to see that uh, is, is quite important. Let me tell you this story. Once in a rush uh, at last minute Christmas shopping, this woman, she bought a box of 50 identical greeting cards. This, this is pretty cool. Without bothering to read the inside of the cards, she hastily signed and addressed all of them but one. She just kept one to the side. She's mailed them out. Several days after the cards had been mailed, she came across the one that she had not sent. She looked inside of the pre-printed message, and she was horrified to read this note. This card is just to say, a little gift is on the way. I'll wait for the rest of you. <laughs> I know it takes some people longer. Okay, see, she had 49 cards that she mailed, and she didn't read it till much later what the card said, and these 49 people are waiting on. Y'all get it? You, you got, everybody got it? Okay, so, so I got it, Pastor. Okay, I just want to make sure, because y'all were looking at me strange. Everybody got it? Okay, everybody got it. Now, this woman had no intentions on sending anything else other than a card. She didn't even take the time to read what was in it. It was effortless, lifeless, thoughtless, painless. We will never know if this woman sent the gift or not. But aren't you glad that we have a God 
who not only sent us a card. He not only sent us a card, but he sent the gift. And that gift is Jesus. And from his cradle to his cross, he lived a life as an example for us to live by. Now, we're not called to be perfect people. There are no perfect people, and there are no perfect churches. If there are, don't you join it because you'll mess it up. Since we all tore up from the floor, we might as well just stay in church and get beyond each other's issues. Because we all got issues. From the pulpit to the pews, all of us got issues. And since we all just tore up and we all know we need God, can we just go towards God together and keep our mouths off of one another? And stop bashing churches and bashing pastors and bashing church people. We talk worse about the church than we do people in the world. When we shouldn't be talking about anybody. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.